turn your phone on silent for the remainder of the ride, please. Okay. It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. It's been the case for most of session that when we come back from a recess or a holiday weekend, we come back to action. On Tuesday morning, the House Health Committee started off with a little controversy listening to the medical marijuana bill. Now, it was for discussion only, but Senator Rabin presented the bill and I believe for the first time told his personal story from start to finish. Stage three cancer survivor had colon cancer. He was 48 years old when he was told that he had 18 months to live. He had been going through chemotherapy for a few months. Mm -hmm. And he said to his doctor, all right, we've used three months. I feel the same. Yeah. He thought he might have been a a subject of a blind, double blind test (laughs) study or something like that, where maybe he was getting a placebo or something like that. He just wasn't feeling it. And the doctor said, look, I can can put you through a lot of pain here. You're going to be really sick. The doctor told him, look, I'm either going to kill you or cure you. And Rabin said, let's go. The doctor said, you need to get your hands on some marijuana to help you through this treatment. It's going to be rough. And Senator Rabin talked about how he met with his local law enforcement Mm -hmm. to tell them he would be using marijuana. Senator Rabin talked about how marijuana was delivered to his house. It showed up in his mailbox. On an as-needed basis, he said. He said he never had to buy it. He also said he had never smoked a cigarette. He wasn't good at smoking marijuana. He would go to work at seven in the morning, lay in his lazy boy in between seeing patients. He said he would go outside at like 1.45, 2 o'clock, put his hands against the wall and vomit. Go home, smoke maybe two or three puffs of marijuana, and he said it made him feel better. He could eat. We've heard this. It helps with your appetite, helps with your energy, eases the pain of the awful treatment that chemotherapy gives cancer patients. There was, I think, a lot of folks in the audience, committee members, audience members, it was just silence as Senator Rabin talked about this. We're thinking that the bill could get a vote next week or the week after. Again, in the House Health Committee, because it was for discussion only. Yeah. Flipping subjects, the Senate took up sports wagering this week, and that was another hard-fought battle. The votes weren't as close as you might think, because there's a lot of battle lines being drawn. It passed 38-11 on second reading, which was Wednesday, and then today, Thursday, it passed 37-11. By the way, we're recording this podcast on Thursday afternoon. Now, there was a little bit of a hiccup yesterday afternoon. The Senate, you know, they got this bill in a place that they think the House kind of likes it. Then we saw a tweet from Brian Murphy over at WREL saying that the speaker was saying, when the bill comes over from the Senate, we're going to add some other stuff 
that sent folks into, oh man, we're really, they're going to load it up with some more controversy. That's going to weigh it down. But then today, we also heard from Brian Murphy again on Twitter saying that the speaker had backed that up and that they plan on concurring with the Senate's version of sports wagering. However, I think people should know that that bill is not going to go into effect until next year. So I think a lot of people who use like FanDuel or whatever think, oh, it's coming like mm-hmm. next week I can start gambling on or in the fall I can gamble on football. Mm-hmm. Not so fast. If marijuana wasn't enough for you, if sports wagering wasn't enough for you, we saw another version of a bill that is taking appointment power away from the governor. We're talking about Senate Bill 512, and this has to do with just about all of the governor's appointments to boards and commissions. He will be sharing, if this bill passes, he will be sharing these appointments with other members of the executive branch. So North Carolina is kind of a peculiar state. We certainly have a governor, but we have someone who's elected as treasurer, someone who's elected as attorney general, someone who's Department of Insurance. In many states, these positions are under the governor. That's not the case in North Carolina. So the General Assembly is saying, yeah, we're going to keep it with the executive branch, but we're just going to spread it out among other executive branch members. I believe that's one of three bills that does something similar. Former governors, we've talked about it in the past, have come out against this bill. They believe it dilutes an already diluted executive branch in North Carolina. We know that in North Carolina, we don't seem to have, if you read the Constitution, the General Assembly has most of the power. It doesn't feel like three equal branches of government. This will, these governors, former governors say, will further dilute that power. But what power the governor does have is the bully pulpit. Yeah. And he is using it. He bought ads on national television talking about this quote-unquote state of emergency here in North Carolina as it pertains to public education, further adding some credence to the rumor that Governor Cooper could be a secretary of education under a Biden administration if President Biden wins re-election in 2024. Also for your weekly budget update, again, Thursday, we heard that the subcommittee chairs were given targets today, so the budget is moving forward, and they are coming to some agreements. Big talk in the building is that that June 15th deadline, yep, gone. We're talking June 30th for a date they want the budget finalized. Of course, June 30th is also that date that the current budget expires. Of course, we do have an evergreen Uh, provision in law. So we're not shutting down state government if they don't meet that June 30th deadline. But June 30th, that's the big day. And I guess that puts us at adjournment sometime in July. We got some sad news coming out of the Memorial Day weekend. Longtime political operative, Conan Morgan, who worked primarily on the Democratic side of North Carolina politics. He passed away after a boating accident on Sunday. He leaves behind a wife and a legion of family and friends and people who just 
thought so much of this young man. In fact, this week, members in our congressional delegation honored him on the House of Representatives floor. Uh, I interacted with Conan last back in 2019. He was managing a mayoral campaign race uh, here in Raleigh, and I had been asked to serve as a moderator for a debate uh, between all of the mayoral candidates. And Conan, of course, was advocating for his client. He wanted to know where his client was going to sit. He certainly tried to get a little peek into some questions. At the end of the debate, uh, he was the first person to text me to say, you did a good job. Of course, his client also did a very good job, and Conan had him prepared for that debate. But our heartfelt sympathy to uh, Conan's family and friends, and he will be remembered. On Wednesday, we saw, maybe it was a lobby day for sheriffs, Mm -hmm. and we saw one particular sheriff who is running for statewide office. Rockingham County Sheriff Sam Page. He is running for lieutenant governor. We talked to him a little bit about it. Uh, Told him we would announce it on the podcast, but he is in that race as a Republican. He'll be joining Jeffrey Elmore, who is also running a Republican. He's a big chair in the House. Uh, And then we kind of got some scuttlebutt around the building about Dan Bishop. Is he running for attorney general or not? He certainly has been in the news this week. Yeah. And getting some national name ID. He is voting against uh, raising the debt ceiling. He's the one vote out of North Carolina against that. No, Ted Budd's voting against it, too. Oh, my goodness. All right. So I guess there's two. Uh, But, yeah, we talked to one legislator. He said, Dan Bishop's in it. Tom Murray's going to drop out. Dan Bishop is for AG. And then we talked to another legislator today. And he said the opposite. We've also heard a rumor attached to the whole Dan Bishop for... AG. If Dan Bishop gets into the race, the rumor is, is that Senator Todd Johnson, Republican down in Union County, he also gets a little sliver of Cabarrus County, that he is eyeing that congressional seat. But a lot of things need to happen for that to happen. would hate to lose Senator Johnson in the General Assembly, though. On this week's newest segment of our Recurring Guests podcast, (laughs) we brought back on Senator Mary Wills Bodie and Senator Benton Sawry. We had them on in the fall right after they won, so we talked about what their first couple months in the legislature have been like. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Senators Mary Wills Bodie and Benton Sawry, welcome back to the podcast for a little bipartisan episode. Thanks for having me. Uh, I think 
we did this the first time in November mm-hmm. um, when we talked about it. Um, November 18th with you. It, it seems like it's probably been 10 years since then. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I counted, actually. It's been 127 days <laughs> since we were uh, sworn in. Um, and, yeah, I think my hairline has actually receded. I think it has, too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I look like Senator Settle by the time the session's done. Who I tell all the time has a great haircut. So. He does. <laughs> we'll start with you, Senator Sorry, in 127 days, if you could use one word to describe how your freshman term has gone, what would it be? Fast. Mm. You know, I think the month of January was really spent, you know, figuring out some of the bare basics of the building and where to go and what to do and, you know, how to file bills on the new system and, uh, you know, just some general backgrounds. And, you know, February just, you know, came this glut of, okay, well, here are committee hearings, here here's amendments, here's legislation that's moving and passing debate. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, here we are in uh, late April, early May, um, and, you know, we're, we're passing, you know, major uh, you know, transformational pieces of legislation dealing with, a, you know, a, tens upon tens of billions of dollars of spending in a budget um and again you know for me that's been in 127 days so yes it's it's been fast what about you yeah i think i certainly agree in the spirit of bipartisanship i would say (laughs) fast um i think um certainly eventful we got off to a really quick start as um senator salary mentioned and it seems like every week we're tackling a you know a big policy measure one way or the other. And so I would say um, we've we've do- definitely gone at a quick pace and really um, been moving along, um, tackling Medicaid expansion, um, certainly reproductive health care, um, the budget. There's just been a lot of pieces of major legislation um, that we've we've gone through in these last 127 days. Senator Sorry, we spoke to you November 18th right after the election. And Senator Bodie, we interviewed you on December 16th. It was such a great connection because we're talking to Senator Sorry, and he mentioned you by name in that interview. He said, she's someone I think, you know, we have some shared interests, similar counties. But both of you, during those conversations, there was so much excitement, right? You had just won your election, hard-fought elections and primaries. How long did it take for things to kind of settle in and you go, okay, I'm in the Senate and you're doing the day-to-day task of being a senator? He's so, regretted calling my name out ever since he mentioned it. No, no, it, it's funny. So uh, Senator Bodie called me after that episode, which was great. We had a great conversation, and I learned, uh, for example, um, that she had a very strong connection in Johnston County. Um, you know, her, her family came down here, obviously, to help with uh, you know something with the Red Hot Dogs, which uh, Carolina Packers, which we're famous for. Um, um, which was neat. You know, we've got two companies, Stephen Sausage and Carolina Packers, which they call Bright Lease. But um, that, that was a really neat local connection. Um, it, it's still exciting. It's still mm-hmm. very exciting. Um, but there are days where, you know, you, you wake up and, and you go to the, to the building and you come home and you feel like you've changed the world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not, not literally, but um, you, you've done something that's great. You've done something that's great for your community. You, you, you've actually passed a meaningful policy. You've, uh, you've gotten something in the budget that's really going to impact Johnston County. Uh, and there's some days where you go home and, you know, you, you beat your head on the wall and uh, you think, what in the world have I gotten myself into? And then, you know, and then for me, at least, you know, I turn around 
I go work for four more hours until two o'clock in the morning and then wake up and do it all over again. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, we have a lot of coffee in the office, so, yeah. which is nice. <laughs> a lot of candy, yeah. too. A lot, lot, lot of candy, yeah. yeah. Uh, D- D- Dave keeps, we're, we're an NC State office. I don't, you know, we have an NC State helmet. He's a state guy, too. Um, he keeps a large tray of, uh, it's actually a hippo mm-hmm. um, of, uh, of candy, <laughs> lots of Reese's cups. Senator Bodie, so I, I want to remind you, I asked you what, the number one thing you were looking forward to in that initial podcast, you said, I cannot wait to go visit a school mm. and talk to kids. And you were just so excited about that. Where's your excitement level right now, Senator Bodie? Still super excited. Um, I've certainly loved visiting schools, um, you know, seeing our young people and I think encouraging young people to get involved and really you know, being a younger member of the Senate, I feel that connection to especially these high schoolers really challenge them to continue on their path and work to make a difference and always encouraging them to vote. Um, but, you know, whether it's a class of first graders or I had the privilege to go to Granville Early College this um, this Monday and see the amazing work that these students are doing and the challenges that they're tackling I continue to be excited about the work and really pouring into our young people and getting them excited um, about whatever step they're about to take. So mm-hmm. that that has been really, really amazing. And, you know, when I go and visit uh, the little kiddos and they have these um, big banners that say, welcome, Senator Bodie. It just it's just it's so incredible um, to be able to teach young folks about government um, and what we're doing for them each and every day. Along those same lines, what's a piece of legislation you, Senator Bodie, have worked on that you're really proud of or passionate about? And then I'll ask you the same question. Sure. So I have been really involved in parade safety legislation uh, with my Granville delegation, the Shine Like Haley Parade Safety Act. Um, Mm. The little girl who passed away in the Christmas parade in in Raleigh, um, her family lives in Granville County. So... I have been working with the family and our Granville delegation to make sure that you know, the likelihood of a tragedy like this happening again is significantly reduced and really implementing um, a statewide kind of consistent baseline for parade safety. You know, I have just been so in awe of this family's fortitude and perseverance. And I told, um, I told Haley's dad how much strength that I got from him in, in the face of just the worst possible scenario, you know, they get up every day and are motivated to, to make sure this doesn't happen to another family. And that has just been truly, truly impactful to me and a privilege to be able to, to make sure that um, we honor their daughter's legacy. So I, I talked about this, I think, on the podcast, but, you know, one of the issues I think really holds Johnston County back is the, the Department of Commerce's tier system. Um, you know, and, and we actually saw that, this, interestingly, in the House version of the budget where they limited, um, you know, art grants um, mm-hmm. to tier one and tier two counties. Um, and somehow or another, Johnston County is this wealthy county, and we're not eligible for these grants. It's just another example of how this tier system is being used for something that is not what it was originally intended to, uh, to be done for. So I spent you know, a considerable amount of time working with, with some other uh, members of the Senate to try and craft a bill that, that made sense and, and might capture some support. And you know, it, it didn't move, and, and that's fine. Um, you know, Senator Raven still had good things to say about the legislation we talked about and encouraged me to keep working on it and to keep working with um, you know, some of the interested stakeholders so it wasn't a you know, complete you know, shut-the-door, slam-dunk, you know, this is not a, not a great idea type thing. But, but I really think that you know, looking at at processes and systems like that that we have in government that 
um, you know, that, that just are, they're institutional, but they're not necessarily working in the way we intended to. Um, you know, I'll give you another example, um, and I was, um, I, I'm a primary sponsor on this one, and it did pass the Senate, but I give a lot of credit, a ton of credit to Senator Paul Newton and his staff, but that's the, um, the wastewater treatment bill that we passed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a fast-growing county like Johnston, um, you know, that's going to save our county tens of millions of dollars in infrastructure funding, um, you know, really help us, you know, modernize some of the DEQ standards, really help us modernize what our county can do with economic development. Um, it's not the sexy headline-grabbing topic that, you know, is going to make the head of the, or the front of the news and observer, but it's going to make life better for people in Johnston County and other fast-growing counties, um, you know, around the state. So that, those have been some of the days and the opportunities that have been just really rewarding and, you know, they, they keep you coming back. So we need to underscore for some of our listeners that we're talking to a Republican, Senator Solry, a Democrat, Senator Bodie. And while all 50 senators are equal, you're elected from your constituents, sent to Raleigh to represent them, you have to have different perspectives on how your legislation is treated. And it's not to say, Senator Solry, you get everything you want. In fact, we're working on a bill with you that's... That's right. uh, (laughs) Let's just say it's an ongoing project. It is. My, my, my clerk is not a fan of that bill. <laughs> right. That's right. So we've been working on the heirs property bill. We won't get into that. But can we talk a little bit about how you have to work or you do work because of that party label that comes after your name? I, I just assume that, um, and, and I don't, I haven't seen it from the other side. Um, I've seen it from my side, of course, but, uh, but, but I do... It, just being part of the majority party, I just have uh, have the ability to pass more bills and, you know, be a part of some conversations that I'm assuming I would not otherwise as a minority. And I, I don't take that for granted. That's just the state of what it is in 2023. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not to say that, that Democrats, um, you know, are part of bills. I think uh, Paul Lowe was a, was a primary co-sponsor on... Um, um, yeah, I think Bill Ravens or Senator Ravens, uh, medical marijuana um, legislation. I think um, actually Mayor, uh, Senator Bodie and I were uh, co-primary sponsors of Senator Lee on a, a PFOFs bill that uh, I think some of the policy provisions made that into the budget. Um, you know, so th- there are places um, I think where, where good ideas come from all around and we have a conversation on them. Um, but uh, I think just the you know, can't just the reality of where it is in 2023 is that, you know, we're in a supermajority. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that's part of the reason that we've been able to move as fast as we have is because, you know, Senator Berger laid out a very clear agenda of where he wanted this session to go. Um, we've acted on that agenda. Um, and we've done so in a very methodical and precise way that's, uh, you know, I, I think is really delivering for the voters of uh, North Carolina. Senator Bodie? You know, I came to the Senate um, with a commitment that I think I mentioned on the podcast before that I was willing to work with anyone who wanted to work in good faith, whether they be Democrats or Republicans. And so I have I have really tried to do that. I have um, been primary co-sponsor on um, a number of pieces of legislation with Republicans. Um, I have signed on as a co-sponsor to many pieces of legislation that have passed with Republican um, sponsors. And, you know, I really look to some of the other leaders um, in the Democratic caucus who have been able to effectively get legislation passed, like Senator Gail Adcock, um, has been a tremendous mentor to me. And, you know, I think one thing that's really important to note is that whether you be a Democrat or a Republican, 
sometimes your legislation doesn't get passed, as Senator Sorry mentioned, um, especially the, the first try. Mm-hmm. And so I think you really have to continue to stay positive and hopeful and optimistic and very laser focused on what your agenda is. And also remember that this work is all relational. And so, you know, as time passes and you're able to assist or add value on any piece of legislation, all of that matters. And so I don't really look at it. I mean, I know what the reality of the situation is in terms of the landscape, but I'm going to continue to offer support and add value wherever I think I can, um, because that's what the people of Senate District 18 sent me to do. That's just the kind of leader I want to be. And you've worked really hard, specific to you, you've worked really hard to build those relationships across the aisle. You talk about your seatmate in the Senate, how different you are politically, but you have just this great affection for him. Yeah, Senator Settle. Um, so because of where we sit in the chamber, you know, I'm the only Democrat um, that sit ne- sits next to a Republican and um, Senator Sorry is the next down from down from us. So, but yeah, Senator Settle and I just really hit it off during orientation. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, you know, as mentioned, he comes from a very different um, district than Senate District 18. Where is he again? Uh, he's yeah. in um, Wilkes County. Wilkes County, yeah. And so, you know, he he just brings a different life experience to the General Assembly. And I just think he has a lot of integrity and I really value and appreciate his friendship. And I think it's, it's meant a lot to both of us that we have been able to really in a way be bridge builders in a political environment where we don't see a lot of bridge building. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the relationships lately. We just came out of crossover a couple weeks ago Crossover was not the story, by the way. It was, <laughs> was Crossover only a couple weeks ago? How many days? It, it, it seems like it's a lifetime ago. <laughs> For some reason. Senator was always <laughs> <laughs> like, I've already lived nine lives. <laughs> For some reason, someone thought it was a good idea to throw an abortion bill on the floors uh, Crossover week. And from our perspective, and we've had lots of conversations on both sides of the aisle, both chambers, it does feel like relationships got strained during that debate during crossover week about the abortion bill. Can you talk a little bit about what you thought of crossover week and then you're bracing for impact, right? You have a crossover bill. We all, everyone has crossover bills and that's the, the date you have to get your bill out of a chamber. If it's a policy bill to remain eligible, they throw the abortion bill out there. What are you thinking as this is coming to you. Senator Sorry, you want to take the first stab at that? So what was, uh, what was interesting <laughs> is um, I had a, a very, I think I actually had two bills um, that were coming up that Thursday of crossover. Um, mm-hmm. So when all the cameras were there for the, obviously for Senate Bill 20, um, you know, my, my wife is sending me screenshots of me saying, oh, you know, they're all here for you. Well, clearly they're not. And Senator <laughs> Overcash had a bill too. And everybody's like, oh, well, hurry up, let these freshman lawyers get out of the way so we can get to the real stuff. No, that, that Senate Bill Twenty was um, was tough. So, I mean, I, and I'll take a step back. I, you know, I can't speak for every member of the Republican Caucus, but I, I would suggest the vast majority, if not all, of us ran on a pro-life platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. Um, you know, I've been firm in my convictions on where I stand on this issue. This is a very important piece of legislation for me. Um, there, there was a great deal of time and energy spent into putting together 
a piece of legislation that would be comprehensive, pro-life, pro-family, which I think is particularly important. It does not just stop at birth. Um, it includes a provision in the bill that's very important to me, which is paid parental leave. Um, you know, I, I saw you know personally, you know how how that impacted you know my little family. Um, and uh, and I, I can only imagine the you know some of the detrimental impacts that can have on other families. So I mean, I'm glad to see that in 2023 we're doing that as a state. We're being a leader. We're being out front of that. Um, you know, it includes um, you know provisions for maternal mortality. It includes provisions for contraception access. It includes what I perceive to be um, some fairly mainstream um, positions on abortion restrictions. Um, and there was a lot of frustration in the chamber, um, you know, and I'm sure you'll, you'll hear about it from the other side, but there, there's a lot of frustration from how the debate was being framed. Um, you know, it, it is, and, and I'll say it again here, it is not an abortion ban. It mm-hmm. is not, just, just simply not the case at all. Uh, you know, I, I took issue on the override, though, especially with how Senator Lee was being attacked. Um, you know, there, there are some people in the building that I have a, a ton of respect for, and Michael Lee is one of those people. Um, and he's a serious policy person. He works hard on good legislation. He worked really hard to put together what I thought was a comprehensive good bill here. And, you know, it, it turned into political theater. Um, and and, and I, I really, really was disappointed in, um, in how that conversation went. And perhaps that's just part of the learning process of being in the building. Um, but I think it's going to take a while for some of the trust to, to come back and be restored there. But it was um, it, it was eye opening, and, and you know I was disappointed in the process that occurred in the chamber, um, not not with how we brought the bill about, but how the bill was debated, um, you know, from from some of our colleagues. I'm glad it passed. Uh, I'm glad it's law. I'm glad that um, the override was there, um, and uh, I'm confident that Johnston County voters supported it. Senator Bodie, before I get to you, I do want to ask you one question, Senator. Sorry. The process of it being a conference report, not amendable, didn't go through the machinations of our Senate process. Did that give you pause at all? It did not. Um, You know, and and I'll just I'll I'll use yesterday as an example. And and yesterday, um, obviously, being with the budget amendment process, um, you know, a lot of the amendments that were being floated out there, um, you know, weren't necessarily amendments. There was any expectation of those being passed. Um, It was part of political theater. and I think there was a lot of that that was there. Um, you know, the Democrats were clear in what they wanted to do with signing on for the Roe v. Wade codification. Um, that's not something that we were going to do or interested in doing as a caucus. Um, so at that point, you know, having the majority um, votes, um, knowing where we wanted to go and, you know, finding consensus was important. Senator Bodie, I'm sure you have something to say here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> You know, I always appreciate honest and open debate. And I think that was what was missing with Senate Bill 20. You know, you mentioned that it was a conference report. We got the bill very late, the text of the bill very late. um, And the next morning it went to rules. And as we know, in a conference report, it's a non-amendable motion. And so I think that's where some of the, the real disappointment for me started. This is a really big issue. This is an important policy issue, not just legislators, but the people of North Carolina deserved an opportunity to come and offer suggestions. And I really felt like that was missing. The other thing I want to say about the supermajority is, you know, we're on the slimmest of margins for a supermajority. So, you know, I think that is also important to keep in perspective as we're talking about major pieces of legislation is that 
you know, we are in a supermajority, but by the narrowest of margins, and that still means that those 20 Democratic members, their voices and their constituent voices matter, as do the voices of maybe some of the, the opposition in the other senators, the 30 Republican senators district. And so, you know, I would have just hoped, and, you know, I, I don't disagree. I think this was a big learning experience. Um, and I called Senator Sorry last week and I said, you know, let's talk about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're most likely going to be serving in the Senate for a very long time together. And I would just, you know, I, I think we need to just level set. And I really appreciated him engaging in that conversation. And I thought we had a really thoughtful conversation about where we st- stood on this issue. And I think that, you know, I think this issue will be one that we continue to come back to. Um, and so I'm hopeful that the next round, when we talk about, you know, an issue of this importance, especially, you know, I really focused on access to care um, because I do represent a Senate district that is urban, suburban, and rural, that I have to look at it through that lens, every single issue. And so, you know, I'm just very hopeful and optimistic that the next time an issue like this comes through the Senate, that we can, we can have the full breadth and depth of the discussion that, that an issue of this size really deserves. Can, can I, and I just want to chime in on one thing that, that I'm particularly proud of, of what, you know, Senator Burr has stuck to his guns and done all this. Um, you know, th- there was, you know, we talked about the debate issue, um, and I, I'm fairly certain, and correct me if I'm wrong, but every member of the Democrat caucus had an opportunity to stand up and speak on the issue. I mm-hmm. think everybody, maybe with the exception of Senator Woodard, used their full 10 minutes time and had an opportunity to ask questions of members and, um, you know, raise procedural issues and things like that. Senator Berger, um, you know, and, and nobody on the floor called for the question. Right. Um, he's never called the question. He's never the called the question. Um, and, you know, in spite of what we disagreed with strongly, um, as a uh, you know, some of the message and the debate that was occurring, um, you know, it was it, it went on because I think that Senator Berger recalls what it was like to have been in the minority and having the question called on him, and not being able to make these same points and make this engage in the same debate. Um, so I have a, a ton of respect for his conviction on that and permitting the debate to occur and allowing the process to take its course and every single member of the Democratic caucus having a chance to take their full 10 minutes and express their opinions, ask their questions, make their procedural motions and things like that. So, you know, I, you know, I talked about this, I think, on the original podcast, but, you know, I have a lot of, you know, belief that, you know, we have strong leadership on the Republican side. You know, this, this is going to make sure that the chamber and the institution itself is well run and, and hopefully it sets a precedent for going forward for however this moves. I want to ask you, Senator Bodie, about what Senator Sorry just said about the leadership and showing, I think, some restraint and not calling the question. But before I do... I remember after the election, I'm talking to folks across the aisle, Republicans, Democrats, both chambers. We end up usually talking about abortion being one of the issues of 2023. And I remember talking to some veteran Democrats, and I said, if they give you an opportunity, they being the Republicans, give you an opportunity to go behind closed doors, would you be willing to trade a yes vote for a broader bill that maybe goes to 15 weeks, maybe goes to 16 weeks. And every Democrat I talked to said, nope, we're not negotiating. We're not taking one step back. And we can't do that politically. We can't vote yes on an abortion bill. Is it fair to say Democrats weren't willing to come to the table behind closed doors in some of those negotiations? Is that a fair question? 
Sure. Well, first, I want to start out and say I ran, you know, I was very open and honest about my stance on access to reproductive health care throughout my campaign. Mm. The status quo in North Carolina um, is where I, I feel like we should be at 20 weeks. That question is certainly an interesting one. And, and where I come down on it is that I just I don't really feel like legislators needed need to be invited to closed door discussions. I think that the democratic process that we have, the committee process, the open, transparent democratic process that has been prescribed um, by the way we are set out to govern is the best possible process and allows all stakeholders, all people to come and be involved and interact with their government. And so, you know, I really push back on this notion that we have to be invited to the table to have a conversation when the people of our districts sent us to where the table is supposed to be. And so, you know, I just, I, I, I really, I, ha- I kind of have a hard time with that. Okay. Senator Solry's comment about the floor debate, Senator Berger allowing a robust and full debate. Do you have a reaction to that? Look, I know that Senator Berger cares deeply about the legacy of the Senate and maintaining the integrity of the body. Again, I will just say, I think this issue deserved to be debated and deliberated to the fullest extent. And the Democratic caucus and the Senate took that um, as far as we were legally and procedurally allowed to go um, because it deserved that. And, you know, I was I was certainly proud to be one of those members who was able to stand up and talk about some of the devastating unintended consequences I think this legislation will have. Um, and again, I remain hopeful that we're going to be able to, to come back and, um, and make some changes in the future. Let's contrast that a little bit with the budget process that you've gone through this week. So that was two weeks ago, the abortion bill. You come, really? <laughs> you come back this week. Come back this week for the over, week. <laughs> override and tensions are still high, right? But... The budget bill in the Senate was a bipartisan vote. I believe you voted for it. Can you talk about how the Senate Democratic Caucus really stood together on abortion, but you were willing to stray on some other issues? You know, I come to the Senate trying to be more pragmatic than dogmatic, especially on issues um, like the budget. I think with with this Senate budget, it's a start. Um, it's certainly the not not the last time we will see it. And so that's really where, you know, I come down is, you know, we had some tax cuts. We have some teacher raises. I think we can go further. Um, I would love to see um, the full funding of the contingency voter ID fund um, so that when we have voter ID on the books, people who, who need an ID um, can go and get one for free and aren't disenfranchised because they can't afford an ID. Um, you know, I would love to see our education system fully funded. I'd love to see some prioritization of early childhood um, and childcare, um, workforce housing. I mean, there's a lot of room um, for improvement in this budget, but I really came down on it as this is a start um, and, you know, look forward to seeing where it goes. You know, I, I'm a big fan of this budget, obviously, um, but I, I was, um, you know, after the last you know, the, the abortion bill, the original vote, and the override vote, to see 37 green dots uh, light up on the board was very surprising to me. Uh, 
I think the budget does a lot of great things. I mean, it's it's a uh, you know, I ran on a platform of, of getting rid of North Carolina's personal income tax, um, and, and sitting there in the budget is a reduction of that tax to two point four nine percent by the end of the decade, which is a great start. And how are you going to do that if you're going to accomplish that process? Um, I thought there was uh, there, there's obviously an investment in starting teacher pay. I think an increase of eleven percent um, that'll uh, that'll bring that up. I think there is an investment in some of the infrastructure of the state and. Um, there's uh, there's investment in mental health and behavioral health there. Uh, I just think that there's a lot of good that's in that budget. I mean, and, and some really, really great pieces that are really going to help North Carolina. Um, but as Senator Jackson, I think I heard him say the other day, this is uh, this is part two. Um, you know, part three starts, uh, probably has already started uh, by the time this podcast airs. Oh, yeah, you weren't um, invited? I got, <laughs> no? Uh. I don't know yet. Uh, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're doing this on Thursday, I guess. Um, um, so it's it's coming, um, obviously, with the conference board, and that, that's going to be an exciting process. That, you know, that, that's that's the next great unknown. I think challenge that we're going to have to look at is, uh, you know, how, how do we um, how do we observe, navigate, and be part of the conference process on the budget side as a uh, you know 127 day year old uh, or day old legislators. <laughs> and I think one thing I will say about the budget, you know, we heard a lot um, in the um, Senate Bill 20 conversation debate on the floor that Democrats were beholden to one person or the other and this that and the other and I think you know I have really tried and I know many of my colleagues have tried to show that bipartisan spirit and I think that was reflected in the budget and you know how we're we are navigating this legislative session and it's not the only bill you've I'm going to say stray, but you've voted with the Republicans sometimes you've been the only Democrat to vote with the Republicans so you're trying to obviously represent your district, but has that been hard to be that one Democrat sometimes? You know, I try and be very grounded and rooted and honest with with myself and then about about what the people sent me to do. And that starts with just having a lot of conversations, keeping people in the district updated, um, talking to folks about what's going on, asking for advice. I have so many people that I call and rely on um, for feedback and say, you know, what do you think about this? Whether it's law enforcement or religious leadership or elected officials, you know, I am constantly trying to keep folks in the loop to really maintain that that strong connection um, so I can represent people to the best of my ability. And, you know, I'm never going to make everyone happy. Um, I think we can all agree on that, um, right? Is that a fair statement? That's fair. Uh, that's fair. We also it's, agree it's, on it's, that. We, 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 agree, we, we, have found, we, we agree on that. There we go. Uh, uh, we will, just check our email inboxes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, but I appreciate the feedback that I get, um, and I get a lot of feedback, as I'm sure Senator Sari does too, and you know, that is, that is what our job is. Our job is to receive feedback and distill it and then try and make the best decision based off of that information in a very binary way, yes or no. Um, and that is, that is the challenge. But we have been sent here to exercise good judgment. And I have found that the best way for me to do that is to be very informed and apprised of, of the legislation, but also maintaining those relationships with people I really trust um, and rely on to make sure that I, I am representing the people of Senate District 18 the best that I can. Senator Sorry, right after the crossover week, we had a recess, uh, Senate and House. I was talking to legislators, and I was really concerned about just the anger in the two camps, Democrats, Republicans. And, 
I was really worried because, you know, we got a lot of legislation out there that's bipartisan. and We want to see you guys getting along. When you get along, we make good policies. Seeing 37 votes up today on the Senate budget, do you see a path to, like, getting the band back together? Kumbaya. <laughs> I think that the budget, seeing that there's a bipartisan budget, I think I heard Senator Jackson say this on the floor today, um, that this is the most bipartisan budget that he has, um, that he's seen, I guess, on the Senate side since he's been here. And, and you know, Senator Jackson is a... You know, just an expert at this particular process. Um, so I know that's got to, uh, to, to certainly help um, to see some of that. But I think, you know, part of it's a testament to when you put together such a, you know, broad ranging good bill with good policy, and I mean, it's just hard to vote no on it. Um, you know, perhaps, I mean, you know, t- time heals things generally. And, and, you know, we're going to go through the conference process where, you know, a lot of the conferees are meeting and having conversations and we're not going to be, you know, having some of the, I suppose, um, um, you know, I, I don't see a veto override on the calendar for next week, I guess. So hopefully we, we can avoid that at least for a period of time. But um, we'll see. Um, mm. We'll see. There, 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 there are, uh, you know, words matter. Um, and I put that out in the tweet last week. Um, words, you know, really and truly, they, they, they matter. What you say, how you conduct yourself, it's, it's nice. And, and I'll, I'll just, you know, make a comment. Uh, you know, we, we listened to Senator Woodard's speech on the floor uh, when he talked about the, uh, the abortion bill. Um, and, you know, I thought he disagreed without being disagreeable. Um, I thought he was, uh, he was candid about what he said and, and why he said it. And, um, you know, I certainly disagree with his position, but, uh, but I didn't feel that it was theater. It was there for a sound clip or a sound bite or a, a television commercial necessarily. So, um, you know, there, there are opportunities for like that, that opportunities for that going forward, certainly. So as y'all have said, we're 127 days in, and I haven't fact-checked you on that, so I don't know if that's true. (laughs) We'll take your word for it. Um, What is something from here on out in this long session that you're looking forward to, Senator Bodie? I'm really excited to continue to be part of the process. I know there are going to be more bills that come down, um, more opportunities to give feedback, opine um, on really critical issues that the people of North Carolina care deeply about. And so, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this legislative session um, through and all the stuff that's going to happen along the way. And I think continuing to foster those relationships um, and serve my constituency um, to the best of my ability. And so I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. I've enjoyed these last 127 days. Um, my hairline has not receded, um, just for the record. Um, my haircut does not look like my seatmates, um, Senator Eddie Settle. Um, but I'm just, you know, I, um, I'm excited to have a seat at the table where decisions are being made and, and looking forward to all the important policy discussions to come. I'll give a two part answer. I think to that, um, we, there, there, there's a lot of great policy things we can still do. Um, you know, just you know, some of the conversations, some things we can do to help some veterans, some things that we can do to help um, some folks back in Johnson County. Um, you know, and you know, sitting there today after session, you know, spending time actually working on amendments to some things that we're going to put forward. Every, I mean, so the, the, there is work that is still being done, and it's exciting to have an opportunity to have that input and actually work on something that you can point to and say, you know, that's. That's a policy that I got behind and actually makes a measurable difference in, uh, in somebody's life here in North Carolina. So I'm excited about continuing that process and, and gaining some confidence going forward. Um, and I'm excited about continuing to build relationships with people in the in the building. Um, you know, we, we have some just extraordinary.
extraordinary people um, that serve as members of the North Carolina General Assembly. Um, you know, I'd, I'd name some, but I'll forget some inevitably. So I'm not going to do it. But uh, Senator Woodard. Um, well, <laughs> like he, he's got a you know, he's got a great hat downstairs. Um, but no, it's you know we we have. Um, I, I think that people in North Carolina, you know, you see the headlines, you see the clips of what's going on in Raleigh, but there are serious people that are up here making serious policy and doing hard work in order to try and move the state in a in a, in a better direction, um, in a direction that's going to make life better for North Carolinians. And, you know, I've, I've got confidence in that. You know, I might get jaded by some of the noise and the emails I get. I think I got, I got called a coward in an email yesterday mm-hmm. um, because I didn't put my home address on my legislative website. Oh my I don't know if that makes me a coward or not. You're emailing me and I'm responding to you. I mean, you know, there, there are very few levels of government where you can engage that directly with a lawmaker, but but okay. Um, but but truly, you know, we, we've got within the chamber, within the staff, I mean, there, there are people people that are that have the interest in North Carolina heart and, and and I'm excited about continuing to work with them to build relationships and try and find common ground on these issues. Well Senator Benton Sorry and Senator Mary Wills Bodie, we appreciate everything you are doing in North Carolina politics, your service in the North Carolina Senate. Both of you know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information. It has been fun to see the friendship between Senator Sorry and Senator Bodie grow over the last few months. And we kind of take a little credit for that. We feel like it kind of started with that first interview with Senator Sorry back in November when he talked about, hey, he's willing to work with Senator Bodie. They have a lot in common. Certainly, the pressure of this past legislative session has taken a toll on both of them. And I think it culminated the week of crossover when SB 20 was on the floor. You can feel that there's some tension, but I want to point this out. They came into this recording as friends, talking, reminiscing, having a good conversation. Certainly there was some tension around SB 20 and how that was handled, but they left this recording also as friends. And so I expect that to continue over the years of their service in the General Assembly. Thank you to both of them for stopping by. Great conversation. Tweet of the week. The Tweet of the Week is sponsored by the North Carolina Pork Council, representing hog farmers around the state working hard to do agriculture better. Today, hog farms are reducing their carbon footprint by covering lagoons, reducing emissions, and generating renewable natural gas. To learn more, visit ncpork.org. This week's Tweet of the Week is from Flint Benson. He's at FlintBenson911 on Twitter. And it says, One thing that you know is bipartisan. When an elected leader says not to belabor a point, it's already too late. Some folks are a little long-winded. You. Yeah. (laughs) You're a little short-winded, if that's a thing. You're too... I don't think it is. It's not... I'm too concise. Too concise. Well, yes. We talk on the telephone. Do you even say hello when I yes, call? Yes, I do. I say hey. I think you say what? No, I say hey. 
Well, I say what if you've already called me five times that day? I'm like, what <laughs> in the world could you possibly be calling me about now? And then I'll tell you what I called about. And you'll say, did this have to be a phone conversation? Couldn't you have sent me a text? This is the thing. When an elected leader says not to belabor a point, <laughs> Brian has his phrases too. If he says, anyway, how are things with you? I know he's just trying to extend the conversation. He does it to everyone. And at that point, I check out mentally. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to know how folks are. You don't want to know how people are doing, do you? It's not that I don't want to know how people are doing. Like if, but if I call you to talk about like a provision in a bill or something, and I'm just like, is this correct? Yes or no? No. Tell me what needs to be changed. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Bye. You know, it's efficient. Mm-hmm. See, I want to know all of those things, and then I want to say, hey, Senator, how are things with you? And that's why you're always running behind. <laughs> you don't say goodbye in phone conversations. You just hang up. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you've said this before, and now sometimes I do that to you. You'll say goodbye? Don't I? What's wrong with I say, you? okay, bye. <laughs> Click. You know, back when you had flip phones and you could angrily hang up with somebody? I was asking you a question last night. We were on the phone. I said, I got to ask you a question. You said, uh, you said, well, this is what you said. Okay, bye. And you <laughs> hang up. And I said, but I want to ask you. A, and I was going to ask you about the vote on the sports wagering bill. I wanted to know if someone voted for it against it. But We both have the same access to the World Wide Web. <laughs> <laughs> You're not one for small talk. What What is it about small talk that you don't like? And I just, th- I'm just bad at it. You're great at it. I'm terrible at it. We go to receptions, go to dinners. You you kind of pull back from the small talk. I just assume people don't know who I am and don't want to talk to me. <laughs> people do want to talk to you, though. No, I don't really think they do. See, I think you're really good with conversation, and you're really good with kids, young people. Like, I've seen you engage them, and they really feel, you know, your attention, and you want to know about their school. So, Kid magnet, for sure. You are a kid magnet. So why can't you take that part of who you are and apply it to adults? Are you just not interested in adults? (laughs) I like old people, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well... I know some senators or representatives, I I happen to know, they would like for you to ask how they're doing because they'd like to share with you how they're doing. Mm. (laughs) All right. I did have a tarot card reader twice, two different tarot card readers, tell me that I should be working with kids. Really? Uh Uh-huh. And that like kids were going to be like working with children was going to be a big part of my life twice. Do you think you could be a teacher? No. (laughs) (laughs) So you volunteer down the road Uh at a place where kids need some after school help. And you've kind of, we'll call adopted a kid that you worked with this past year. Did you, do you get frustrated with them? Because you said like he could be all over the place. Oh, he can definitely be all over the place. He doesn't like to sit down for an allotted period of time and just work. So sometimes you have to bribe him. And I, (laughs) one thing I'm fine with is bribery for kids. Uh I am totally fine with that. So I'll be like, if you can make it to 520, we'll go outside and play basketball. 
But then he tries to fleece me in basketball too. Like he's he's full of tricks. Mm-hmm. How does he fleece you? Oh, he'll try to be like, oh, that th- this is a rule. I'm like, Zayden, this ain't my first day playing basketball. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. But I've been volunteering at a school for like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. The kids don't get on your nerves? No, those kids are great. The kids, I mean, kids are kids. I don't expect the same level of attention that I do from adults. Mm-hmm. It's just the facts you want from adults. <laughs> Is the bill moving or not? Can you take this language or not? Okay, bye. <laughs> Next week, we expect the House to concur on sports gambling. The Senate is going to take up the big elections overhaul bill, and I am sure that is going to be controversial. And we will follow up on whatever other news there will be. But until then, go out, maybe have a bipartisan conversation with someone, and please remember to do politics better. Okay, bye. (laughs) 